What a blessing. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. You at home, grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Acts. It's interesting as we talk about the story of Jesus Christ, and I was thinking a little bit about the culture. I made mention of it, that we live in a culture today that would like to wipe out history, but they can't because it's his story. And when we think about his story, it goes on. Amen. And uh, by the way, it's okay to say amen here. We should probably put a sign up or maybe back here. Uh, maybe we should do what they do at the ballpark. Time to applause, time to say amen, that kind of thing. Maybe that'll help you out a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because how many Sundays you've been involved in when it comes to Easter Sunday? You know, you get up, you get dressed, you get ready, you go, you know, some pictures of back in the 1950s when the families would get together and dress up. Little young ladies would have bonnets on, and it was always the, the fancy shoes, those kind that didn't really polish. They were kind of shiny already. You know what I'm talking about. And, it, and they went to Sunday services, and they just enjoyed, really, the freedom and the liberty to live at peace in this country and to enjoy the worship of God. Remember those days? Well, they're still here, but we, we, we need a little bit of a, maybe a class 101 on how to respond to what is going on in the culture a little better. Because regardless of what's going on out there, everything in here is just fine. Our father's house is just fine. Talk to him this morning. He still loves you, by the way. Just wanted to encourage you that God is still on his throne. Interesting when we talk about this particular story, because it's easy for me to turn to one of the Gospels. It's easy for me to go over and to kind of go through the story and make a few points, but I thought it would be interesting to kind of go a little further and turn to the book of Acts. Now, we know that Luke was the one that wrote the book of Luke because he writes to Theophilus, a godly printer, a godly man. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. The Acts is a transition book. It goes really to help us understand what it's like in the church age. Because if we really haven't noticed, things are different now that the Lord Jesus Christ has come. Things are different when it comes to worshiping the Lord. He was actually in John chapter 4 and talking to the woman at the well, shifting her from her past into an understanding of the future, that now it's time to worship the Messiah in spirit and in truth. And isn't it amazing he took her from her thirst to theology, that she was hungry for something, and that she desired more, so that there was something that actually happens to us when we meet Jesus. Something happens inside of us. We know that no matter how much money we make, no matter what position we have, no matter what this earth gives us, we know that it's, we're still empty inside because of what we need is Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. And I know that this morning God has uh, appeased you in your mind, in your heart, if you've come to him. But maybe there's some here this morning that are still in need of understanding this proof of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And so my desire by preaching to you this morning is to bring somebody that's in our congregation perhaps today closer to receiving Christ and maybe today they would receive Christ as their personal Savior. But my desire also was to help you that had been born again for 50, 60 years that would say, my faith is now strengthened because of what the Scriptures say. And so my goal is, is I really believe upright, and I believe it will bring glory to God. In this particular verse, in verse number 3 of the book of Acts, we see it says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs 
being seen of them 40 days, being seen of, of course, the people, uh, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I think it's, it seems like when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that even the apostles failed to be impressed by the announcements that were made prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. We cannot overlook that the apostles were not expecting the resurrection because they really weren't expecting it. And when the rapture comes, you're probably really not going to expect it. But it's going to happen, amen? And it could happen before the service is over. Everything's pretty ripe, if you know what I mean. Sometimes when you pick fruit, you say, oh, that's just a little bit too early, isn't it? I think when I was born, it was a little bit too early yet. But I hope that maybe perhaps I will be ushered up and not have to go to the grave. That I will be alive and remain and caught up in the air like the Bible tells us. And maybe you will be too. But it's interesting if, if they were not impressed really of, 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 of the Lord by the words of Jesus himself that he would rise again, then how do we expect them to be impressed with the words of the woman who eagerly expressed that the tomb was empty to the messengers, of course, or she was the messenger from God, to the, to the disciples when he said, uh, when she said to them, he is risen. The Bible says in Luke 24, 9 through 11, and he returned from the sepulcher and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the 11. Because remember, one of them betrayed him. And to all the rest, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle words, and they believe them not. I really believe that if our hearts were stirred within us by faith this morning, that we would do great things for God. I really believe that. I believe really that God hovers over a church to say, I wish that church would pray more. I wish that body would witness more. I believe that sometimes we are a product of really who we are when it comes to following the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you say, oh, hum, the church is just the same old, same old. Well, so are you. <laughs> Why are you looking at the church and trying to project so much when your heart is dull and drifting and somewhat departed from the living God? He desires to do something this morning. If you're willing, he's alive and well. But in these who physically walked with Jesus Christ were skeptical of the reality of the resurrection, it could be that there are some that are listening to my voice this morning that feel the same way. And you still doubt whether or not this is all true. The story of the resurrection, by the way, is irresistible. The proof of it is irrefutable. And the acts and the effects, of course, of it are irrevocable. I want to talk to you this morning about this. What do we learn from this particular verse? In verse number three, if you have your King James Bibles open this morning, verse number three gives us a lot, a lot of information concerning it. The words are very important. The word passion here with us means commonly excitement or agitation of mind as love, hope, fear, anger, and so on. And in the original word here, it means to suffer. The word passion applied to the Savior denotes the last sufferings of our Lord. After his last sufferings, it is beautifully said, by thy agony and bloody sweat. 
And by the cross and passion, good Lord, you delivered us. The Greek word, of course, rendered sufferings in this particular word here for our passion is mentioned in 1 Peter 1.11, 1 Peter 4.13, and Colossians 1.24. It is the word for suffering. And so we understand that when Luke was writing this and giving us an account, he, w- he had the sufferings of our Lord in mind. And it's good for us to be able to do those things, the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight we have the Lord's Supper. I hope you come back and join us. You say, why are you doing Easter Sunday? It's Resurrection Sunday. I believe our focus needs to be on the Lord all day today. I believe that we're going to have a wonderful meal pretty soon. We've got ham. We've got two hams. We've got turkey. we got everything at our house afterwards. We're having a big group at our house. But you know what the focus is going to be on? Our Lord. You know, it's wonderful to get together, and I try, I try to do that quite frequently. And you that know me, it's, it's like, let's go to Culver's. You know what I mean? Let's, let's go. Let's go to the jet room. Let's go to Denny's. It's wonderful to sit down, but you know what? If the, if the conversation is not directed to our Lord, then I don't want to meet with you. Because I think we ought to always bring up our Lord Jesus Christ. He is in our hearts and he is on our minds. And we have the opportunity to be able to discuss these things. So the word passion here. Christ did not immediately ascend into heaven after his resurrection in order to thoroughly prove his resurrection. And with his presence, strengthen and encourage his apostles in the doctrine which they had. Didn't they have enough teaching? Nope, they had not had enough teaching. And neither have you. And neither have I, because there's so much to learn. And I am so thankful you're here today. I get to lay my eyes upon you. It is a blessing to see you. And maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you're a little bit discouraged. Maybe you're fearful, whatever, but you're here. I can imagine what it was like when the Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected. But he did not immediately go to the Father and stay. Remember, don't touch me. I must yet ascend to my Father. Then he comes back, remember that? And he is seen by others. Many infallible proofs. I like that word infallible. The word fallible means liable to fail or mistake or deceive. Liable to deceive. That's the word fallible, what it means, the word fallible. But the word infallible then is not fallible, in other words, or it's not capable of erring, not capable of of, of deceiving not capable of mistake, entirely exempt from liability to mistake. Pretty powerful word that's used here when it comes to infallible proofs. So the word here rendered infallible proofs does not occur elsewhere in the New Testament. In Greek authors, it denotes an infallible sign or argument by which anything can be certainly known. Here it means the same, evidence that he was alive, which could not deceive, or in which they could not be mistaken. That evidence consisted of his eating with them, conversing with them, meeting with them at various times and places, working miracles, friends with whom they had been familiar for more than three years, this evidence of Jesus and his resurrection is infallible. What a description. And somewhat are the infallible proofs. There's enough of them. 
eliminate any possible of doubt or deception. That he is alive. I love what we sing, that song we sing. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Isn't it wonderful? Corporately, we can worship him, but personal worship is absolutely essential. And without personal worship out there, this will be dull. Why is it that we wait? Well, come on Friday night with the band, man. We're going to worship God. No, you're not. You're going to be emotionally moved. You can do that at a tavern. Stay away. If you come to worship the King of Kings, make sure your personal worship is there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday's coming. Amen? So there's something about that because I think that we have gotten to the place where we place our Bibles at home somewhere or really in our, in our, in our family years ago, I remember being, it was in the back window of the car. Remember when they had a big like ledge back there? You go to Walmart and get some shelving. You know, everybody can put their name on it. This is for dad's Bible, mom's Bible, you know, there for Sunday when you can come to church and, you know, I, I really believe that we need to be eating the word of God every single week. I like Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> but I don't eat them. I was at Costco the other day, and they had Cocoa Puffs. But not a little bitty mini box. It was a big Costco yeah, box. Yeah. I thought, maybe I could just someday slip over here and grab that box and get a, get a gallon of milk. You know, just have some comfort food sometimes. But, you know, when I was growing up, I was on a farm, and every Saturday morning we got to choose what we wanted to eat. It wasn't made by the lady that was there because she was trying to help on the weekends, and so I had my Cocoa Puffs. But I couldn't just eat on Saturday morning a big bowl of Cocoa Puffs and say, well, I'm good for the week, now I'll see you next Saturday, I'll eat a thing. You know how sickly I would be? Pretty sad. They would come to the hospital. I'm laying there with an IV. He just ate Cocoa Puffs every single Saturday. It's so sad. But I believe God has his hospitals where there are ill Christians. It's Easter Sunday. Might as well go to church. A little bit maybe. I'll show up late, leave early. And then wonder why we're in the condition we're in, dear friend. Oh, I'm so thankful for a church that believes the Bible. So thankful for Grace Baptist Church. Oh, we've not been big and popular, nor do we strive to be. We strive to obey God. Not grow, but obey God. Because obedience is far greater than anything else. And I would not sacrifice any of our doctrine or any, any of our traditions, if you would, for anything other than to glorify God. You say, well, you can glorify God and listen to that kind of music. Well, go for it. Start a ministry. They're all over the storefronts. And you can see them. And most of these men have come out of good Baptist churches. But this is just too dull. Because they are dull of hearing somewhat. Now, I'm not being accusative, but kind of. But if we look into the word of God, we, we are quickened by it. And I hope to do that this morning because my first point is here, and I better read it. 
because I got off on a sidetrack, the irrevocable words that come from the word of God. God's word is irrevocable. It is actually written, and you can't change it. It's always going to be there. Amen. We have written account of the death, burial. We have it in front of us, so the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Irrevocable means not able to change or reverse. Praise God. The Bible really is God's final answer. In John chapter 2, verse 19 and 22, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple in three days, and I will raise it up again. And then said the Jews, of course, forty and six years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. They're in red, and they are irrevocable. Interesting when we think about it, because Psalm 89 in the Old Testament, verse number 34 says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall not make it good? We have a God in heaven who has written his word out for us, and it's irrevocable. Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. James 1, verse number 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, within whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so you cannot break God's promises by leaning on them. You only make them stronger by leaning upon them because you personally can say, this is a promise that God has given to me and I abide by it and I'm so thankful for it. But his words that the Lord Jesus Christ were irrevocable during the trial. And by the way, whenever there was words written in the scriptures by somebody else and what they said, just think about that. Their words speak for them. So do yours, so do mine. Matthew 26, 59 through 62, Now the chief priests and the elders and all the councils sought fault witness, witness against Jesus to put him to death. To death. But found none, yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow has said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and then to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto them, Answerest thou nothing? What is it with these witnesses against thee? Is it true? Jesus answered him not a word. And it's amazing how he was so thorough with his response. But it is the question that was asked. It's written, and it is still asked today. What do you have to say, Jesus? Well, he has a lot to say, but yet he seems like he's always quiet. Because you know what? We speak for him. The trees speak for him. The stars speak for him. They declare his handiwork. Look at them. 
They're beautiful. When I see the stars and the moon at night, the other night we're walking from my son's house on Friday night. We had Papa Murphy's pizza and took my bride, walked all the way across the street to our home. I was looking up at the sky and see. I thought about the stars, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? We have an awesome God. And we have people that are struggling all over the world because we have been convinced that this pandemic is going to kill all of us or some of us. We are convinced. And so it does. What if? Where are you going to spend eternity? Will your feet touch that street of gold? Or maybe last night your feet had pieces of gum and spilt beer upon it because you were in a place you shouldn't have been. Where were you last night, Christian? Were you thinking about the Lord in the tomb? Were you anticipating a wonderful breakfast, thinking about the resurrection of Christ? I hope you were. And dear Christian, if you're away from God, come home. It's a wonderful place. It's a place of rest. It's a place of relationship. It's a place of respect. It is a place that you can fit in. I don't know why you're trying to fit in out there because they don't love you. I spent time in the Marine Corps, I know. Come on, Howell. Come with us. We like you. Oh, no, you don't. You just want my $100. That's all you want. Because you spent all yours last night. His words were irrevocable on the cross. Mark 15, 27 through 32, the Bible says, And with him they crucified two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou hast destroyed the temple and built it up in three days? Save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself he cannot save Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. They can't change these words. Not even the high priest with all his desires, he cannot change the words that he spoke. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. He could have done that. But he had you on mind. He said, nobody really cares for me. No one cares for you like Jesus. (laughs) He proved it to you. Why do we always go like this? Come to mama, come to daddy. We do that. I got a little red-headed granddaughter. Can't wait to see her. I don't know when I'll see her next. But 
I'm sorry, a granddaughter. Did I say granddaughter? Yeah. Sometimes my mind, is, I, have, I have like verbal dyslexia. I don't know if you ever heard of that. So I have new medication I'm on for it. Yeah. But it's sometimes I think about how we do that, and our Lord did that. Come. All these that are thirsty, all that are empty, come. And it seems like the world is coming up with all kinds of new things to go to rather than him. He'll change you. You say, oh, I've, I'm too far, I've gone too far. No, you haven't. You're still breathing. You still have an opportunity. You have a Savior that will forgive you and cleanse you and empower you and strengthen you and walk with you and comfort you. Seven times Jesus spoke from the cross. In Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They know not what they do. Forgive them. God commended his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't know what I was doing. I know. But now you do. And go take your sin to him and lay your burden down. He says, Come. Forgive them. Luke 23, verse 43. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, what wonderful words. In Mark 15, 34, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In John 19, 26 through 27, the women, where, where is your son? Behold your son, and son, behold your mother. From the cross, he said that. Luke 23, 46, the fifth time he spoke, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. John chapter 19, verse 28, thirsty, thirst, I am thirsty because he was man but yet he was Jesus divine but the greatest words on the cross in John chapter 19 verse 30 are it is finished to tell us die complete the account is done the transition is over put the books away he paid the price Jesus paid it all and he gave us those words to ponder, even today. They're irrevocable. And then there was the understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ with the irrefutable witnesses. I love the story in Luke 24, 4 through 6. The angel's witness is infallible, by the way, and it's really irrefutable. In verse number 4, of Luke 24, and it came to pass as there was much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, if I saw that, I would freak out. You know. I don't know, though. I think that Kyle Peterson has a really close looking suit. I think that's the suit I've ever seen on a man. Sharp suit. I'd have you stand, but I won't embarrass you. (laughs) Nor would I want to embarrass Sharon either because it's her birthday. 
No, I embarrass other people, but I won't say anything. Let's stick with the notes. They stood. And as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. Can you, can you imagine being so scared that you would bow to the earth and trembling? Talk about an experience that they'll never forget, right? These guys never forgot that. You get one glimpse of Jesus, and guess what? He will change you. You experience the fellowship with the Father, and you understand the Holy Spirit, and it will change you permanently. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. It's interesting that what happened then, that they were afraid, and they bowed down to the earth, and they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? So they spoke. Not only were they shining, but they were speaking. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Isn't that really our culture? They think Hollywood is alive. Hollywood's, Hollywood is dead. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand it. You know, all, all, all growing up in my teenage mom and dad say, you know, you're not going to go to movies. You're not going to listen to that kind of music. You're not going to say, what if mom and dad? They're kind of old fashioned. But they were right. Alice Presley has nothing to offer me. Jesus Christ has everything to offer me. Some of these stars, they're so morbid in their thinking. They are anti-God, anti-Christ, and we look to them as being popular. God help us. There's other stars that are out there. They shine so bright like Paul Chappell. Clarence Sexton. Others that we know of. John Getch, you may remember him. Tom Farrell. I could go on and on and on of these stars. Oh, we're not supposed to lift up people. No, but we certainly, the person that says it all the time is usually the one that's watching movies on the side anyway. We can't hide anything. We think we can. We cannot. God sees everything, knows everything, and is involved with everything. It's God. These angels come. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you? And he was yet in Galilee. It's like a rebuke from the angels. And by others, as we already have commented, 1 Corinthians 15, 4 through 8, when he was buried, the scriptures say, and then he rose again the third day, the scriptures say, according to the scriptures, the scriptures say, that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last, he was seen of me also. Paul says that. As one of kind of, Born out of due time. That's what he says. It's like I was born earlier. He was born right on time, by the way. But he saw Jesus. And so did Mary Magdalene. He saw him alive. First person to see him. Out of the tomb he came and met Mary. John chapter 20, verse 14 and 18. And to the women returning from the tomb, and then to Peter later in the day, and then to the disciples going to Emmaus. Remember the story that their hearts burned within them, and then he prophesied of these things, and he was able to explain to them many things that were actually done by the prophets. And by the way, the prophet Isaiah 
What a beautiful description and understanding of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. If you were to read the book of Isaiah, you'd understand that this actually happened 700 years prior to Jesus Christ coming. In Messiah, he talks about the Messiah here. He talks about how his face was beaten. In Isaiah 50, verse number 5 and 6 says, And the Lord hath opened mine ears, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away. And I gave my back to the smiters and then to my cheeks to them that plucked off my beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I mean, that was all prophesied 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came. What an incredible understanding. His back was whipped according to Isaiah. He was grouped with criminals. He prayed for his enemies. His hands and feet were pierced. His garments were divided. He would be mocked. He cried out to God. He would thirst. His bones were not broken. He gave up the spirit, died a horrible death. He would be an offering for sin and buried in a rich man's grave. And then he would rise from the dead. All of this was recorded in the book of Isaiah. The apostles saw him, except for Thomas, in Luke 24, 36 through 45. And then to the apostles later that week, or a week later, and then Thomas was with them. And in Galilee by the seven, by the lake of Tiberias, and then in Galilee on a mountain to the apostles of 500, as it mentions in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 6. And then at Jerusalem, and then Bethany, of course, and again, he was presented to James. And to the Mount of Olives and the Ascension we read this morning, if you read further on, it talks about how that he did go back and he said, the scriptures say this same Jesus is coming again. And to Paul near Damascus, and then to Stephen outside of Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And then, of course, Paul in the temple in the book of Acts. And then in Revelation to John. But I think probably the most wonderful part of the story, and all of us can relate as we look at the last 60 seconds of the message, is that it's important for us to understand the irresistible wonder of it all. The words, the witness, and the wonder. Irrefutable, infallible proofs that our Lord lives. I had an opportunity to see my grandfather change. I was probably about eight years old when he came to Christ. This morning I was going through a few things in my office and I found the CD and I wanted to play it for you, but we don't have enough time. But it's the wonderful time of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he changed my grandpa who was at one time found on the streets of Chicago. So drunk he didn't know who he was nor recognized any of his family. That was my grandpa. Froze his feet. But you know what? Because of Calvary, he was changed. Because of Calvary, I don't go to those places anymore. And he sang it so wonderfully. And I can remember him taking his guitar, which he used to play at the Rooster and the Esquire here in town. You that remember those places. That was my grandpa, Jim McCluskey, playing in there. 
coming back from Sauk City one time, and Jerry Caps was with him. Jerry Caps is with the Lord. My grandpa was so upset that everybody was in his lane because he was in their lane. He was so drunk, and for some reason, God saved him. But also spiritually changed him. The wonder of it all. He used to sing this. I could hear him in the basement. There's the wonder of sunset and evening. The wonder as sunrise I see. The wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that God loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. There's a wonder of springtime and harvest, and there is. The sky, the stars, the sun. But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that's just only begun in my soul. Charles Wesley wrote to him, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and in nature's night. Thine eye diffused and quickened ray, I awoke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off and my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off and my heart was free. I rose and went forth and followed thee. You can experience resurrection now. Because what's been holding you to the ground is your own chains, your own past. And now it's time to give it to God. Say, Lord, here's my sin. He'll do something that religion can't do. He'll quicken your spirit. And you'll worship him in spirit and in truth. So that no matter where you go, he is there with you. And you can at any time talk to him and he will hear you. And he will answer you. Have you put your faith and trust in him? The proof is evident in his word. It's, it's amazing to me because it's, it's so simple that a lot of times, I, I, I think it's, I don't know if this is working or not. Is this, is this dead? Yeah. Um, that's okay. Take a minute. People at home probably can't hear me. I'll back up. It's interesting as we think about this because we try to do we try to help God for some reason. Can I help? Mm, no. But I have a spirit of helps. I know that. Everybody knows that. But who knows the best is God. You can't help him save you. You can humble your heart. And that's the best thing you can do is come like a little child. Say, Lord, I understand now. You told us that all of us are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have. And because we know we're sinners, that's why we come to a church. That's why we come to Christ. But the Bible says for the wages of sin is, is death. But that's only half the verse. The verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't you love that word gift? This morning my wife gave me one. 
Here's your Easter. You know, I used to get baskets when you were kids. She still does that. I had some sugar-free, dark chocolate, peanut butter cups. I think they're her favorite. That's why she gave them to me. <laughs> These are expensive, honey. Yeah. But even this morning, I understand that there's a gift. I got to wait for me on my dresser, a gift my wife gave me. You still have a gift on the shelf with your name on it. Why don't you receive that gift today? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. At the last minute, and the last few breaths on the cross, would you remember me? Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, what a wonderful story. You can't beat it. The wonder of it all. And then he goes on to say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be is a beautiful structure, isn't it? Because it's not talking about, well, it's possibly, it could happen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the Bible's saying. Have you called upon him? You probably have. But if you haven't, Easter Sunday 2021 would be a good day to say, here's my heart, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life and save me. And he will. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Howell, I'm so glad I came this morning. From the videos to the reading to the singing to the preaching, my heart is stirred to the place I know now I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. I've never done that. Oh, I've been in church, but I've never said, Here, Lord, come into my life and save me, and today I need to do that. Maybe just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? No one's looking around. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I want to know for sure. Would you please pray that I could get this settled? Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Is there anyone? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure. Then praise the Lord. The house is full of a bunch of people that have trusted Christ. But maybe this morning you've drew closer to the Lord. You came. You're busy, but you came to church. And you understand now a little more of what Jesus went through and why he went through it for you. You say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I'm struggling spiritually. I need your prayers. I'll remember your hands. No one looking around. Just lift up your hand and let me know. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift it up. I need your prayers, Pastor. Anyone else? Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand where you are this morning? Let's have an invitation. Maybe if you need to come this morning, it's only it's only 1030, so... We've got another hour yet for the invitation. Maybe this morning you'd like to come and kneel down in an old-fashioned altar and say, Here I am, Lord. I need you. He will listen to you. Maybe you need to come. 
I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.